this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. Today, my special guest is Lynn Del Mastro Thompson. Welcome to you, Lynn. Thank you for having me. It's so great that you're on the show with me today, a fellow best-selling author, so that's wonderful. Yes. And uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do. So I have a background in psychology. I have a master's in something called somatic psychology, which is mind-body psychology. And I'm a certified body talk practitioner and intuitive healer. So I work a lot with women who have been diagnosed with a different chronic illness and uh, would like to heal their body. You mentioned body talk there. I know what it is, but could you just explain briefly what body talk is? Sure. So it's a particular type of healing modality that's kind of a form of energy medicine. And it really, at the heart of it, is about getting to the story behind the symptoms. Like, why is the body expressing certain symptoms and what do they mean so that we can really heal? Oh, brilliant. That's good. So we're all on the same page, everyone. How would you describe your own well-being journey, Lynn? Well, let's see, it kind of really the big part of it began in my mid-20s when I was in graduate school, and I kind of hadn't been listening to my body's whispers, as I like to refer to them, when I was feeling anxiety and depression and getting some panic attacks. And so in the summer of 2004, I got really, really sick. Well, didn't actually know I was really sick initially because I went in for um, uh, some elective surgery. And in that experience of the pre-op blood work, they found some, some results that were concerning to the surgeon. And I had no idea at that point because I was completely asymptomatic and just thought I was going in for elective surgery. And he said, I can't do surgery on you. And he sent me off to my primary doctor to explore what was going on, what the lab results showed. And that was kind of a started a several week journey to find what was going on and ultimately led to a diagnosis of leukemia, which I lived with for several years before realizing that that was actually not even the correct diagnosis. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because that's quite radical and the treatment's quite radical with that too. So you say you it was the wrong diagnosis. So how did being misdiagnosed with leukemia teach you to start listening to your own body's wisdom? So kind of through that diagnosis process and also kind of going through the journey, working with different doctors, I think I initially knew something wasn't right after, you know, a couple of months and I would go see my hematologist and he would say, oh, your labs look really good. And I, I was like, I feel terrible. I was losing weight in a way that I had never lost weight before. I was wasting away. I was, you know, fatigued and just didn't feel well. And how he could go from saying, you know, 
oh, well, the labs look really good, and me saying I feel horrible, it didn't really add up. But no one was really listening to me in that process. And because of the way the medical system is here in the U.S., especially at that time, I couldn't get referred to a different specialist because my primary doctor kept saying, no, he's the one you need to see. And I needed a referral because I couldn't just walk into a specialist on my own. And so it was at first I was trying to listen to that kind of inner voice and inner wisdom that something didn't quite add up, but nobody would really help me in that situation. And so that was actually when I began to start to listen to my body's wisdom in other ways and explore other treatments out there and other approaches. So I got very curious about alternative medicine at that time because it was like Western medicine just really was not helping me. Um, I felt like I wasn't being listened to, which is unfortunately an all too common experience for many people. I can agree with that. I can completely concur. Different country, different situation, same problem. So mm -hmm. you talk about the Western medical system being broken. What do you mean by this and why is it important for us to understand it? Um, I think one of the biggest ways that it's broken, as my story just illustrates, is that doctors don't always listen. Um, and I've heard this time and time again. I've actually recently surveyed people, like, how many times do you feel like your doctor actually listened to you? And I was surprised how many people said, you know, I've never felt listened to, or they had countless incidents. So it's a system that's really not geared to take into account that you know, we live in our bodies 24 seven, like we're the ones that actually really know what's going on with us in a lived way. And yet doctors, it's like, oh, well, you know, you tell them how you're feeling or your experience. And, and it's very much like, oh, that's really not important. Or, you know, oh, that's, that's good that you told me that, but it doesn't really matter. So that's, I think, one of the biggest flaws of the system is not really listening to patients and their lived experience and, and their own wisdom. And the other big flaw with the system, I really think, is, you know, it's very geared towards just taking medications, which in many cases, they just serve as band-aids. You know, yes, I'm not completely anti-medication. In some cases, it's necessary, it can save someone's life, but we've become such a society where it's like everything has a prescription associated with it, you know, and I don't know how it is in your country, but here there's like drug commercials on TV all the time. And so you're constantly being told, oh, you have this problem, take a pill for it. And then usually that pill gives you, you know, a host of other side effects. And then you start taking more <laughs> pills for your side effects. <laughs> yes. So we have that same sort of experience. So I guess, why is it important for us to take note of that? I think the biggest thing is I'm always kind of encouraging people to become better advocates for themselves. Because in my story, I really... I, I was only learning in that process, you know, I was in my mid 20s. I didn't really have a map to understand how to navigate that process. And, and I initially thought I couldn't really question doctors. I think that's a very common thing. Um, many people feel like they're the experts, you know, they have MD after their name, so they somehow must know better than me. And yet, if we're putting our trust in them, and, and they're not listening, or they're making certain assumptions, we need to know how to advocate for ourselves because ultimately you don't want to end up in a situation like I did where I was treated for the wrong thing for three years. And I guess 
gratefully for the wrong thing in in hindsight some you know it could have been a different journey for you but i think for me what i recognize and this is why i wrote about it in my book hope in a dark tunnel is that i don't blame the doctors because they have been trained that way so mm -hmm. medical training most of their training is around diagnosis and pharmacology those are yes. the two things that are linked together and so they have that whole mindset about name it, blame it, and give it a pill. And so for me, when they couldn't find a name, that dismissed me. And mm -hmm. there was assumptions made about my mental health. Mm -hmm. so it was very dismissive in that because they couldn't do the name it, blame it, give it a pill approach, that it must be in my head. Right, which is such an old paradigm, right? I mean, that went back so years for women, you know. Oh, you know, all of the things that were blamed on is, you know, she's just, it's in her head. She's crazy. Exactly. And I mean, being treated so disrespectfully like that, you yes. do then start to question, am I right. a little crazy? Am right. I being a hypochondriac? And all that self-doubt and stress of that self-doubt and all of that, just compounds the problem that you've already had. Yes, stress never helps anyone. <laughs> exactly, the stress never helps anyone, that's right. So tell us more about your book. So the title is You Are Not Your Diagnosis, and it's so beautiful because one of my mentors here in Australia, she talks about you are not your symptoms, you're not your diagnosis. So it was just beautiful to see the title written so um, eloquently there. And it's available on Amazon and on Kindle. So why did you write this book, Lynn, and who is it for? So I wrote the book partly because I wanted to share my own story. I think there's a lot of lessons that I learned in that process that I went through of, you know, first being given a diagnosis that I thought was true and then coming through the process of realizing that wasn't correct and there was actually a different diagnosis for me. Um, and I've kind of extrapolated a lot of the things that I've learned from that to generalize to other people who are going through uh, their own journey with a health crisis. And I think the bigger point is that, you know, I really want people not to feel alone in the journey. I remember when I was given that diagnosis, it kind of felt like I was dropped in the middle of nowhere with no map because nobody really gives you a map when you're given a, a life-changing diagnosis. It's like they give you the diagnosis and then they walk out the door. And then you're like, and what am I supposed to do with my life now? Like, how am I supposed to, it, it literally feels like your life is shattered and you have all these pieces and you go, they don't even fit together anymore. Like, how am I supposed to live? So I really wanted it to be very, um, for people to feel like they had a resource to understand they're not alone and then also kind of some some strategies to start to pick up the pieces because it really is quite the journey and and if someone hasn't been through it they're not going to understand it in the same way yeah i completely get that that lived experience and i guess you may have experiences too where people don't mean to underplay what's going on for you but you get a lot of me too so if you're complaining about a, a terrible set of migraine headaches right oh me too i always do that or it's the if you just did x right it would help you know so one of the 
things I can remember a good friend of mine saying to me is if you just started exercising again, you'd build up your energy and you wouldn't have the fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, then you stop talking about anything to do with what's right. going on with your Because nobody, so, <laughs> nobody gets it. Exactly. Not even the doctor. So, right. yeah, so that's, um, it's an interesting, interesting path. And I'm glad that your book is out there in the world supporting uh, people to heal. And you write in the book about what you believe is truly required for health and healing. So could you just share some of your ideas? Sure. Um, so one of the key ideas I talk about in the book is actually the language that we use in a, in a regular basis when we talk about our health. And this actually came through a conversation with someone when I was talking about writing the book. And I realized, you know, many people when we talk about, especially a chronic illness, people say, my and then the diagnosis, you know, my lupus or my fibromyalgia or whatever, or I have this. And I really truly believe our words have power and we don't think about that. And so now every time someone says, you know, my this, I always cringe on the inside a little bit because we're claiming it, you know, we're claiming that as who we are. And I even see that in terms of people who've been through a cancer treatment and they're a survivor and, and years later they're still saying you know I'm a cancer survivor and that's incredible that you went through that and you survived but you're also keeping that reality active in your life so I think one of the things really is becoming more conscious of you know how we talk about things the language that we use because our words have power our words create you know our beliefs and our and they create energy of something so and this was an interesting thing, too, because I realized I don't even know how you talk about a diagnosis without saying those things. <laughs> I'm still yeah. I've been pondering this for a couple of years now. And it's like I have a long sentence, you know, that doesn't exactly trip off the tongue when you're saying and, you know, I have in the way I have does, you know, it's like I'm living with this as usually how I say it. I'm currently living with this, but I believe that my body is also healing because I always want to create that space. And that kind of leads into another point, which is, you know, it's about what we're focusing on a lot. It, the kind of quantum physics perspective tells us that, you know, what we focus on and where we put our attention that grows and magnifies. So if we're constantly focusing on the problems that we experience, the symptoms, the pain, you know, those expand in a way. And if we can instead, even though it's challenging, and I, I acknowledge that, you know, if you're living with pain every day or symptoms that are overwhelming, they feel big, but can you create a space for possibility for that that hope and that possibility that you're intending to create for yourself. It's amazing. So two central ideas of the book. That's brilliant. And I also like how the book is focused on the interconnectedness of the body and the mind. There's so much evidence. There's, yes. you know, body, uh, mind medicine now. But you talk specifically about tapping into the power of the mind for healing. What are some of the accessible solutions that we could discuss now using the power of the mind? So I think it's kind of builds on what I was talking about a little bit before in terms of what we're focusing on or what we believe is possible. 
So when I was doing research for the book, I got really intrigued by placebo studies and read a whole bunch of them and just found it very fascinating because they really illustrate, you know, when you believe something is going to help you, even if you're getting, you know, a sugar pill or there was one case where it was like a sham surgery where they made the people think they had surgery, but they never did. The body doesn't really know the difference. And so, you know, bringing in kind of that focus and that energy of what are you believing is possible for yourself? Do you believe that your body can heal? And in many cases, you know, we're so programmed by a system that says chronic illness is forever. Well, that's going to make it really hard to heal if that's what you believe. So really spending some time examining your thoughts about what do you think is possible for yourself? Can you really at least create a window, a little opening for that possibility? It may be hard to fully believe, you know, yes, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and like walk out the door and be completely healed. But do you believe that your body has that potential for healing? Is that a possibility that you can hold space for? Yeah, that's really important, you know, because when you are locked in the diagnosis and you are in that what i would call a pit of despair yes it really is not helpful to stay in that pit because like attracts like so right you know the more you focus on everything that's wrong it seems to attract all the other things you know that's what i found for myself is that Yes, the possibility that my body could heal was very tangible for me. And I made it so because that's how I used to speak about this. Yes. When I, you know, when I am healed, this is what I'll be doing. So I sort of set up those intentions. Yes. So that was very clear for me that this is what I will be doing. And I'm still on that journey. You know, I feel like I'm better than I was yesterday and the day before. And it, it's just a process that yes. I'm in. And I understand the process. I understand for myself maybe why my body needed to stop me in my tracks. Yes. And, you know, I'm doing something completely different to what I was doing before. Me as well. (laughs) Yes. I was an executive role. I had a lot of consulting clients of mine. And I was just working like a, a human doing. I was not a human being in any shape or form. I'm ashamed in some way to say that my relationships with my own ones that I love so dearly, my kids, I wasn't available for them because I was so busy in my head, so busy with physical work, you know, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in some ways it's, it's not been what I wanted for my life, but it's completely changed the course of my life. Yes. And I like me better this way. (laughs) Yes. Um, And for me, I was in graduate school pursuing a a path of academia and I thought I wanted to be a professor and I was completely miserable in that world. It was like, what are you doing? You know, so I, I refer to it as the cosmic wake up call, the cosmic two by four to the side of the head that finally had to say, you've been miserable for how many years now? Like, do you really think this is going to get better? And, you know, it was like, my body just kind of had to scream at me to say, wake up, like you're living this life, you know, you're only in your twenties. Are you going to live the rest of your life completely miserable like this? And it's so interesting because when you're talking about that, I realize that for many of us, we create a new normal. 
Yes. So, for example, we start getting some symptoms. The body's really speaking to us. We start getting some symptoms. We think, oh, this must be because I'm getting older. This must be, we sort of normalize those things. Meantime, the body has been very subtle and supportive and trying to say, hey, hey, look at this. You know, take, take a step back. You need to rest, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Eat better, change your thinking, whatever it is. And yet we are very good at ignoring that. So have you got any tips for us just about refocusing back on what it is that we want and what our bodies are saying? Yeah, so I like to focus a lot on the, the body part because I think our symptoms are such clues in the path of you know realizing we're maybe in the wrong place or not doing something that feels right for us. So I like to teach people just to have a conversation with their body and with their symptoms, especially. And like any relationship, I always say this takes time and practice. So if you've never done this before and, and you're going to use what I'm going to suggest, just take it with the caveat. The first time you may not get some, you know, revelation of an answer because it's a new thing that you're doing. But basically, I like to just suggest getting quiet, you know, take take a few deep breaths, find a place where you can just sit for a few minutes and, you know, not have anyone bother you. And just the, whatever area feels like it's asking for your attention through a symptom or, you know, you're just noticing something about that area, just asking it, like, what is it trying to say to you? And just being quiet and just listening, you know, and our intuition speaks to us in different ways. So some people may see a picture or you may hear words pop into your head or you may just have a sense or a knowing of something. And, you know, doing that regularly. So asking that question, you know, what, what is it that you need me to know? And then following it up often with like, is there something you need me to do? Like, do I need to address and make a change here? You know, sometimes it's as simple as people who sit too much at their desk and their body is just like, could you please move around a little more, or, you know, get up and walk or, you know, I need more water. And sometimes it's deep and profound things like, you know, do you realize how miserable you are in this life you've created? <laughs> you know, do you want to reevaluate that? But you might not get, again, those profound insights in that very first go. It's kind of like, like building a new friendship with your body of, because a lot of times, again, when you have symptoms, you kind of get in a negative relationship with your body. You're like, oh, I hurt all the time. These symptoms are ruining my life. You know, all of the negative things that we get caught in. So your body may take a little time to build up some trust with you. And, and you know, if you do that every day, even if the first few times you're like, you sit there and you're like, nope, didn't get an answer. I didn't get an answer. Eventually, if you do it enough, you will start to get some answers. That's really um, beautiful wisdom right there, because I think part of the problem with our society and the way that we are go, go, go 24-7, almost, it feels yes. like, <laughs> is that we never take time to sit quietly anyway. Yes. And creating this space to just connect back with your body, mm -hmm. even like you say, if the first few times you're not really getting profound answers, it doesn't matter. That's what we need is sometimes just to be still mm -hmm. and be with ourselves. Right. I find that in this first instance, some of my clients don't like the stillness because I do well-being retreats, personalized one-on-one -on -one well-being retreats. Mm -hmm. And I find that first they seek out my company, but by day two, 
they start to create that space where they're in their own company with their own thoughts right. and their own feelings. And that brings the breakthrough. Yes. So that's just really you know, beautiful guidance there to, you know, sit with that and do make it a daily practice. You know, we do tend to talk about things like doing your gratitudes and doing some meditation. But I'd say the third thing there that we, you've mentioned there is just being still with yourself mm -hmm. and asking that basic question, you know, right. what do you need me to know? Right. And even if you don't have a symptom, it just can be like asking kind of your whole body, like, what do I need to know for today? Like, what kind of direction and guidance do I, can I get from you? And, and so I can change kind of the course of the day if I need to. Brilliant. Love it. And so, Lynn, what are your tips for living fabulously? So for me, definitely, I'm always, I start my day with exercise and meditation and really like setting my body up for um, the day ahead. So that's non-negotiable time for me in my mornings is doing that before I start working. And, you know, things like gratitude practice is definitely huge. Um, making time just to enjoy life, I think is another huge thing. Because again, as we've kind of referenced in this conversation, we get so busy all the time. And we're just doing our to do list, and we're missing out on life. So you know, trying to carve out some time, I try to finish a little bit earlier in the day than you know, a typical if I had a nine to five job, so that I can have a little bit of time to just enjoy something, whether that be playing the piano or going for a walk outside or just playing with my pets or whatever that is, just like to really enjoy life. So valid. <laughs> so valid. Because <yeah. laughs> we so, only get so, one so far, right? You know? <laughs> exactly. That we, that we know of. Right. Um, so, so you're saying they sort of set the day up right have some non-negotiables for yourself, mm -hmm. but equally bring joy and pleasure into your life with things that really matter to you. Yes. Yes. Cause otherwise what's it for, right? You know, we're just doing the things to, are we checking them off a checklist just because that's what we're trying to accomplish or are we, do we really want to live life and, and feel the moments, even if they're small things, I think that's another huge area that we can do better with as a society of just like enjoying the little things. It doesn't have to be, you know, the big moments of taking, you know, a three week vacation and going someplace that we've dreamed of, but it can just be like sitting in your backyard and feeling the sun on your face and saying, Oh, this moment just feels really nice. And I'm just enjoying it. Yes, completely agree with that. And you can find Lynn Del Mastro Thompson at her website. It's heartfirehealingllc.com and also on Facebook under Heartfire Healing PDX. These will be in the show notes for you so that you can find that quite easily. And Lynn, thank you so much for sharing this wisdom with us today. I'm feeling really inspired about using language. And I think that language is incredibly powerful because when we say I am this thing, it does take on a life of its own. Right. Or I have this. You know, I've stopped using the word chronic illness because mm -hmm. it just has the energy that it's never going to end. Right. I only use it to, to market in a way that people understand, like, because that's what they... 
they really have been identified with as a, from a, a medical perspective. But yeah, I don't believe there is such a thing as chronic illness. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think the language, you know, that you spoke about is how we use language is just so vital. Because I know that the, the brain really doesn't distinguish between fact and fiction. Mm -hmm. So it's just hearing these things. It's taking them as, as the truth. Right. And perhaps there's no truth in it. You know, perhaps this was just part of your journey and it's going to redirect your efforts in life and bring you the, back to who you truly are rather than, you know, yes. keep you locked in illness, which I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you talked about is where you put your focus and attention on. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably one of the very few well-being transformation coaches that still allow my clients to drink a little alcohol in a transition mm -hmm. because I do not want people thinking that they're in that deprivation mode and then right. they focus on everything they can't have mm -hmm. rather than focusing on what they are creating. Right. And so I love that you talk about, you know, in your book about focus and attention because mm -hmm. where it goes, your energy flows and everything creates out of that. So right. do you want really... more of the problem or do you want yes. more of the, the possibility exactly. of something else? <laughs> exactly. And I also loved how you talked about creating this friendship with your body mm -hmm. because I believe when you have been ill for a period of time, you have the sense that your body's let you down. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's all consequence of your choices in the past. And as hard as that is to swallow, right. often it's the consequence of a whole set of choices, not one choice, but a whole set of choices that you've made that have brought your body to that dis-ease. And it's very difficult when you're in that space to understand and hear that. Yes. However, I know that it is, even though it's something that we don't want to listen to. We are the byproduct of every choice that we make today. Yes. yes. You know, so. Yep. That's all about that field of <laughs> epigenetics and how our genes are really not what makes us sick, right? Exactly. Exactly. And there's just a lot more, I think, information now. I mean, the environment in which you function is more important than the genes the hand you were dealt the day you right. were born you know with your genes so yeah only a yes. small percentage of things are set in your genes and very few people have a genetic truly genetic illness yes and and you know you might might use that as knowing what your risks are right so that you would take more care so for example if somebody has certain markers in their genes that would make them, I think, knowledge is power and it would yes. give them more awareness about things that they need to focus their attention on. So right. it's not that I don't value genetics. I think right. it's important, but I just feel that there was such a swing towards genetics and people, you know, with, if you remember the whole thing with Angelina Jolie and the BRCA gene. Yes. And all these women that. were mutilating their bodies, having their breasts removed because they had the gene. Right. Like we know genes are like light switches. They're either on or off, so they're expressed or not. Right. And the conditions around it create whether they're on or off. Yes, so exactly. You can you so can it's probably more your, more your fear of, of those genes activating than the genes actually being there for most people. Yes, 
exactly. You know, so why do some family members not get the familial problem that the people before them have had? Right. You know, so there's, yeah. So there's have a lot power. more power than we, we used to be led to believe by science. <laughs> exactly. And the last, my last sort of big takeaway is that the Western medical system has trained us to give our power to it. Yes. And so we are both working with people to empower them to take that personal power back and direct the conversation because, yes. you know, we know our bodies best. We absolutely do know our bodies best. And your, just your ideas around sitting still and getting in relationship with the body again is just so key, I think, to part of that mm -hmm. process. Right. You know, Western medical system is amazing for crisis. Yes. You know, if you've broken your leg, you've, you, you have a heart attack. Is, exactly. <laughs> you do, do need all of those things. But what we've, I think, both discussing here is that our body is infinite in its wisdom mm -hmm. and it knows how to heal itself when we create the right conditions. Exactly. That's the perfect sum up of, yeah, what I truly believe is our bodies want to heal. We just have to give them the right conditions to do that. Yeah. So thanks so much for being with me on the show today. It's been a great conversation. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.